Amen. All right, I want you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 18. Matthew chapter 28, uh, beginning in verse 28. And so, uh, or verse 18, rather. And so as we look at the Word of God right here, this should be a very familiar text of Scripture to you. It is the Great Commission, and it's something that uh, we quote often, that we refer to often when we're talking about evangelizing, when we're talking about discipling and spreading the gospel message all throughout the world. And so in Matthew chapter 28, uh, beginning in verse 18, what we find right here is some instructions, the final instructions of the Lord Jesus Christ that He is giving to His disciples right before He leaves. And He's saying, you know, these are my final instructions. So as the final instructions, I mean, you know, that you, know, you, you wait till the last, you wait till the end to give those instructions that you want to really stick right just as that child's about to walk out of the door mama or daddy might say you know hey don't forget this right so they want them to hear that word they want them to understand that word they want them to receive that word and so that's exactly what happened here in uh, the word of God right here with Jesus's uh, teaching uh, to his disciples right before he ascended and so as we look here in the word of God Matthew 28 beginning in verse 18 the Bible says right here and Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so as we look here in the Word of God, Jesus told the church, that's who this was, it was the church, the disciples that were there to go on and carry this out and every single church is to be fulfilling this task from that point forward that they're going to go out into all of the nations, they're going to make disciples, they're going to baptize those disciples and they're going to teach them everything that Jesus commanded them. Amen? And so when we look at that, when we look at that as the Great Commission, we begin to understand that. Uh, what this morning, what I want to do is I want to focus on baptism because Jesus gave this command. This, this is a non-optional command that Jesus gave as the instructions to the church right before he ascended. This is not optional. He said, this is what I want you to do. Make disciples of all nations, baptize them, and teach them everything that I have commanded you. And so when we begin to look at that, you know, for the disciple, that's a lifelong process. Amen. And for the church, that is an ongoing process that we repeat over and over and over and over and over again. That task is never going to be fulfilled until the day that Jesus calls us all home. And so when we begin to recognize that, that that's a very serious task. That's a very serious charge that Jesus has given to the church right here, right? Make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them everything that I have commanded you. And so I want to focus this morning on baptism. Now next week we're going to have a baptism. And so, uh, you know, as we, we look at that, we're going to baptize several folks next week. Uh, hope, hopefully we're going to be baptizing some more than that's already come up. And so just pray for them and continue to, uh, you know, reach out to those folks that you know has made profession 
confessions of faith, and I'm going to do the same. And so we're going to see to it that we as a church, just as Brother Keith, Brother Keith hit the nail on the head just a little while ago, if we're not doing our part, uh, then, you know, we're failing. Amen. Now, somebody has to have the will and the want to, but I believe if somebody's truly saved, if somebody is genuinely saved, they might not know what they need to do right now, but if as we tell them and teach them all that Jesus commanded them, if they're truly saved, they're going to want to do it. Amen. They're going to want to do the very thing that Jesus told them to do. And the first thing that they need to do is become a disciple. That is being saved. That is being a follower of Jesus Christ. Then they need to be be baptized. And then they need to be taught everything that Jesus commanded them. But as we look at baptism, the very first thing that I want to do is I want to look at what baptism isn't. Amen. Because I believe that that is extraordinarily important that we look at what baptism is not. And as we look at what baptism isn't, we need to understand that baptism is not in any way, shape, or form, not even remotely close to us being saved. Amen. Baptism does not save us. Baptism does not have anything to do with our salvation. As we see the progression of what Jesus spoke right here, Jesus said, the first thing that you need to do is make disciples, right? And then once they become a disciple, what does that mean? They become a Christian. They become a follower of Jesus Christ. That is what a disciple is. That is the true definition and meaning of the word disciple. You know, one of the expressions that Jesus said more than any other expression as you read through the teachings of Jesus Christ is follow me. And so what is a follower of Jesus Christ? A follower of Jesus Christ is a disciple saying that he is master. He is Lord. I'm going to live in obedience to him. I am going to then... uh, I'm going to then uh, put my life in his footsteps, in his hands, and I am going to pursue the things that he tells me that I need to pursue, and I am going to abstain from the things that he tells me that I need to abstain from. I have become a disciple of Jesus Christ, and the only way to become a true disciple of Jesus Christ is to be saved. Amen. Once you're saved, once you're born again, once you're bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, then you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, as we begin to look at this how are we saved the bible is abundantly and redundantly clear time and time and time and time and time and time again scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture that we're saved by faith and faith alone Faith in Jesus Christ is the only thing that is going to save us. There's absolutely nothing else that can save us but faith in the person of Jesus Christ. There's no works that the Bible can, uh, that, that we can do. In fact, the Bible tells us in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 5, it says this, it says, But when the kindness of our Lord, uh, the kindness of, our, of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. How did He save us? Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by 
the Holy Spirit. So how did he save us? He didn't save us by any deeds that we have done, not even righteous deeds. Now being baptized is a righteous deed because being baptized is living in obedience to Jesus. And as we live in obedience to Jesus, we're going to do those deeds of righteousness. We're going to live out those deeds of righteousness. So absolutely it is a deed of righteousness, but that's not what he saved us by. It is not the washing of the water in the baptism that saves us and regenerates us as this scripture says right here by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. It is the washing and renewing and the regeneration of the work of the Holy Spirit within us the moment that we put our faith and trust in the person of of Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit of God comes to live within us. We die to ourselves and we come alive to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said in Galatians 2.20 he said that I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but he who lives within me friends the day you got saved you died to you and you came alive to Jesus Christ that's what it means to be born again and so is that what it means to be born again that happened the moment that you were saved that happened the moment that you by faith received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior baptism has absolutely no part of salvation whatsoever that is extraordinarily clear if we believe that baptism has a part of our salvation that is a work in which we do and the Bible very clearly tells us that we're not saved by works but saved by faith through grace not by works least any man should boast and so as we look at the word of God there it's very very clear Paul said if I or an angel above teach to you a gospel that is contrary to what I've already taught you let him be accursed and to add any work it doesn't matter what it is any work to add any work to that friends that is a gospel that is contrary to the word of God and they stand accursed because that is a false gospel only by faith in Jesus Christ it is only by the washing and renewing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit of God that does that work within our life God does it all amen and I agree with what you said just a minute there's nothing clear up there amen because salvation begins as the work of God and continues as the work of God. Amen. He is the one that is in charge from the beginning all the way to the very ending, even in the convicting, even in the drawing. Amen. Every single bit of it is a part of the work of God, an act of God, that God is at work within us. And God is the one that does the saving. God is the one that does the sustaining. And so God is the one that saves us not by any work of our own. Now, as we look at In Acts chapter 16, an interesting thing took place in Acts chapter 16. Uh, The apostle Paul and Silas, they ended up getting arrested. They ended up getting thrown into a Philippian jail cell, which was not a fun place to be by any stretch of the imagination. But as they were there, they were beaten and they were stripped naked. But you know what? The Bible says round about midnight, the very first version of the jailhouse rock came up. Amen. And so it was a version that was there that was meant to glorify 
glorify Jesus Christ. And so when they began to praise God, they began to worship God, they began to sing praises unto His name. The jailhouse rocked because there was an earthquake that came through there and shook the very foundation of it, broke open the gates and loosened their chains. And so the Philippian jailer, he comes up, he's scared to death, he sees the gates opened up, he thinks that they have escaped, and if the jailer fails on his job, he is going to be executed by the Roman government because he has failed his job and he has let the prisoners go, so he's going to fall on his sword. He's going to kill himself. He's going to commit suicide. He's not going to wait for them to do it. He's going to do it himself. And so Paul says, oh, wait a minute. We're still here. We're still here. So then the Philippian jailer asks Paul a very important question, an extraordinarily important question in Acts chapter 16 and verse 30. Very direct question, a very to-the-point question, a very matter-of-fact question. What must I do to be saved? Amen? What must I do to be saved? Very straightforward question, not a complicated question whatsoever. And you know what Paul did? He gave him a very straightforward and not at all a complicated answer. He said this in the very next verse, in verse 31 of Acts chapter 16. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Now, don't you think, he had, the jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? Right? What th This is my direct question. What must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus. You're going to be saved. Amen? He didn't say you've got to be baptized. He didn't say that you've got to do this, that, or the other, or anything else. He just simply said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. Salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ and only by faith in Jesus Christ. It is not by works. And so we need to establish that very, very clearly that what salvation, uh, what baptism isn't, it is not a part of our salvation. Also, what's interesting, when we look in the Word of God, there's not a single infant in the Bible that is baptized. Not a single one. You will not find one single infant in the Bible that is baptized. And so if it's not in the Bible, we don't have any business doing it. But as we look at this, every single baptism takes place after conversion. What is the order in which Jesus gave here in Matthew chapter 28? Go into all, of the, uh, go into all the world, make disciples. Number one, make disciples of all nations and then baptize them. Right? First, you got to make a disciple. So there is not a single one, there is not a single instance within the Word of God that we find that somebody is baptized prior to conversion or before conversion. Every single one of them were baptized right after their conversion. And so when we see this within the Word of God, if we're going to be biblical and we're going to be obedient to God, then we also baptize somebody after their conversion. Now, people have false conversions and false professions of faith. Maybe it was an emotionalistic event. Maybe, uh, you know, I've, I've heard of people saying, you know, uh, I've asked them, well, why did you get saved? Well, I, I'm about 10 years old. My mama said it was time for me to get saved. I walked down there, told the pastor I needed to get saved. He baptized me, and I was declared saved. 
It's not salvation. <laughs> Amen? That's not salvation. Nobody can declare you saved. It has to be a work of God, that God is at work within your heart. Or came forward because my friend came forward. Or all kinds of different reasons why people have made false professions of faith that weren't genuine. Now listen, Jesus himself said, Many will come to me on that day and saying, Lord, Lord, haven't I prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and performed many miraculous uh, signs and wonders in your name? Was Jesus going to say to them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. They made false professions. They were calling Jesus Lord. They were doing works in His name. Jesus said, I don't know you. I've never known you, for I have never known you. There's all kinds of folks that have made false professions of faith. Maybe they were baptized right after it, but friends, that wasn't a true baptism. They just got wet in the baptistry. Amen? After you make your genuine profession of faith, and listen, I'm, I'm not sure, I don't really know, and you know, maybe I was really saved at the first time. Well, I want you to understand, God's not going to hold it against you. Amen? God's not going to hold it against you. And so we need to recognize that. We need to understand that. So you need to be baptized after that genuine profession of faith and so when we begin to understand this there's no sprinkling found in the bible because every one of them were immersed how do we know that every one of them were immersed because the word of god tells us that they were immersed how do we find in the word of god that it says where do you find in the bible that they were immersed the very word baptism amen baptizo Baptizo is the Greek word that is used in the original language. Now, something that we need to understand is that the Bible was written originally, the New Testament was written in Greek, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Every English version that we have of the Bible is a translation from the Greek and from the Hebrew. And so when we look at that, when the Bible was beginning to be translated for the very first time into the English language, and there was actually several translations, but the Bible uh, was for the very first time beginning to be translated into the English language, they did not translate the word baptizo into an English word, which they could have, but they chose not to, and the reason why they chose not to is because in England, the Anglican church was the state church, and they sprinkled rather than immersed. But what we need to understand is so, so to not be killed <laughs> or, or to have their translation actually be able, able to be published to be translated, they went ahead and just put baptism there instead of immersed. Now, as we look at this and begin to examine, well, what does that word baptizo mean? The Greek word, what does it mean? It literally means dipped, plunged, or immersed. Dipped, plunged, or immersed. In fact, when you look at ancient literature within the Greek, you use that word baptizo. You use, we, we find it used several times in the dying of garments. And in the dying of garments, what do they do? They baptizo those garments. And so they literally take those garments and they immerse them or they dip them or they plunge them into the dye. And when they come out, they're a different color. It's also used for sunken ships. <laughs> 
We find that word used quite a few times for sunken ships. We find that in historical logs of, 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 of ships that have been sunk. And so what happened to those ships? They didn't get sprinkled. Nobody's going to write about that. Amen. They get sprinkled all the time. But what happens is when they get immersed into the water, they have been sunk. Amen. And so that's what it literally means. It means to, means to literally be immersed within the water. So as we begin to recognize this and understand something that it is not, it is not a ritualistic cleansing. Back in the Old Testament, there was ritualistic cleansings that the priests would have to go through and anybody that went in the temple would have to go through and these ritualistic cleansings that they would have to, have to do and, and, and was a part of uh, their, their worship that they would have to do every single time. And so they would do it over and over and over again. But as we look at the Word of God, this was just something that was a ritual by Jesus' day, not actually a part of worship anymore. It just became a ritual. And so Jesus called them out for this in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 25 and 26. It says right here, Jesus said, He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside may become clean also. Now you think Jesus was talking about literal cups and literal dishes right there? The literal cups and literal dishes are not full of <coughs> full of robbery and full of self-indulgence. So here it is that Jesus is calling them out for their ritualistic things that really don't mean anything to them. So that's what baptism isn't. Baptism isn't a part of our salvation. Baptism isn't done to those who are not converted. It takes place after conversion. And baptism is not just a ritual that we go through. Right? So when we begin to understand that, what is baptism? So what is baptism? What literally is baptism according to the Word of God? Well, first of all, it's interesting what Jesus said right here in Matthew chapter 28. He said, Jesus came and spoke to them. In verse 18, Jesus came and spoke to them. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So what's Jesus saying? All authority is mine in heaven and on earth. So if somebody comes to you and says, I have all authority, right? Now this is what I want you to do. What is he doing? He's speaking out of authority, right? He's speaking out of authority. He is the ultimate authoritarian. He is Lord of all. He is King of kings and He is Lord of lords. And so as we understand this, we don't just get baptized just because Jesus said so, but Jesus is Lord and Jesus did say so. Amen? Now if we're just getting baptized just because Jesus said so, then that is, that, that, that is rules and, and religion that we're following. But the fact is, if Jesus truly is the Lord of my life, and I truly am a disciple of His, then I'm going to want to do what He tells me to do. And I should want to get baptized. Amen? That should be something that I want to do within my life because He did say so. And since he did say so, and I want to submit myself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the very thing that Jesus has called me to do. In fact, obedience for the church and the disciples is resting here of whether or not we're going to baptize. If we as a church don't baptize, we're not living in obedience to Jesus. If you as an individual are not getting baptized, you're not living in obedience to Jesus. Amen? And so when we look at that, it is because Jesus said so, but it shouldn't just be because Jesus said so. But it's also the very first act of the disciple. That's what it is. It's the very first act of the disciple. Jesus said, make disciples out of them, then baptize them. And so when we look at this, we find the progression of those who are saved within the New Testament. We find in the book of Acts on the day of, uh, on the day of uh, Pentecost there, the Holy Spirit of God came down. Peter went out and preached about the resurrected Christ. About 3,000 souls were saved that day. And you know what they did? They baptized them. Amen? How'd you like to be a part of a baptismal service that baptizes 3,000? That, that would be phenomenal right there. Amen? And then when, when, when they continue to go on with Philip is with the Ethiopian eunuch, and the Ethiopian eunuch hears the gospel. They say, here's a pool of water. What prevents us from being baptized? Right then and there, he was baptized. Now we go back to the Philippian jailer that we talked about earlier. And the word of God says in Acts chapter 16 and verse 18, it says, And immediately he was baptized. Immediately he was baptized. He didn't waste any time. He did it. And so when we look at this, that, that is the biblical manner. They were baptized right after they were saved. And so as we look at this, well, we're having baptism service next week. Why didn't we have one today? Well, one, I knew there was going to be a lot of people out today. Amen? Thanksgiving this past week is the busiest travel season of them all. People going all kinds of different directions. I knew he was going to have a lot of folks out. So I wanted to give folks a little bit of time to get things settled. We're next week. Let's invite everybody. Amen? Let's get this place packed. We're going to have a baptismal service, and it is a celebration of what God has done in the life of an individual. But it's the very first act. It is the act of which you better mean business when you do it. See, John, we find him baptizing in this first instance that we find of a baptism by immersion that John is doing in Matthew chapter 3, actually found in... Uh, uh, all the Gospels, but here in Matthew chapter 3, we find beginning in uh, verse 7. Here it is that, Jesus, that John was out at the Jordan River. He was baptizing. And as he was baptizing, uh, he was baptizing these individuals. And he, as, he, as he was doing it, he then began to, <coughs> he then began to, draw bigger and bigger crowds and the Pharisees came. And John basically asked them, what are you doing here? And I'm paraphrasing this, but what are you doing here? See, his baptism was what kind of a baptism? A baptism of repentance. But he told them they brewed a vipers. Amen? There was no repentance within their life. 
There was no change within their life. They just wanted to put on a show. John said, I'm not having any part of that. One last thing right here, what is baptism? Let's turn our Bible to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. What is baptism? Baptism is a symbol of being born again. That you've died to yourself and you've come alive for Jesus. That's what baptism is. It symbolizes that. It doesn't cause that because that was caused the moment that you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. But it is a symbol of that very truth. Now, I need to get me another wedding ring. I crushed my other wedding ring. I failed and my cane crushed it. I had to get it cut off. And so now I need to get another one. But I used to tell folks, you know, if I, this wedding ring symbolizes that I'm married. doesn't make me married. In fact, I hadn't worn one for a few months now. Take it off. doesn't make me not married. An unmarried person could put one on. doesn't make them married. It's just a symbol. It is an outward sign for the world to see that you're married, that you're taken. And that's what baptism is. When we look in Acts chapter, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, it says, Therefore we have been buried with Him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. Now what does that mean? When you were saved, once again you died to that old life, and you've been given a brand new life. That old you, that old man, that old woman, gone. You died to it. And now you're alive in Christ Jesus. That happens the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Now when you enter into that baptistry, what does that baptism symbolize? It symbolizes the death, burial, and the resurrection. We're given two ordinances as a church. One of them is the Lord's Supper. The other is baptism. And Jesus gave us both of them. And we're to be obedient in doing both of them. But when you go to that baptistry, it's symbolizing something that's already taken place. It's like a tomb. And you're going into that tomb and you're going into that water. It's as if you're being buried. But boy, when you come up, as the Word of God says right there in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, that you are raised up to walk in the newness of life. Again, that happened to you the moment you got saved. But the symbology is right there found within the baptism. It's a public profession before the whole world. Before the church, that I've died to me, 
I am alive to Jesus Christ. He commanded us to do it. Therefore, we should want to do it. If we're truly disciples of His, that's our very first act that we ought to do in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because it symbolizes what He's already done in your life. Right now, as Brother Keith and Miss Kim come forward, begin this song of invitation. Would everybody stand? Maybe you're here this morning and you have made, you've already come forward, you came forward last week and indicated that you won't want to be baptized, you don't need to come forward again today. But maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I have made a profession of faith. God has done a work in my life and since that time I have not been baptized. But I want to be obedient to Jesus as a disciple of Jesus because I've died to me and I've come alive to Jesus. Will you just come forward right now? I'm just going to ask, ask you to come forward right now. Just come stand in front of me. If, if that's you this morning, would you come? If you're here today and you want to be baptized, you know that's something that you need to do because you've made that profession of faith. Come right now. Just come right up here in front of him. Well, listen, if you're here today and you want to talk about this further, talk about this more, you get with me. Amen? You get with me. And let's be praying for those who've made professions of faith. That they will live in obedience to Jesus and do that very thing that he's called them to do. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, friend, I want to invite you today. All you have to do is believe on him. Trust in him. Call upon him, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Will you please forgive me of my sins? And by faith, ask him into your heart. Ask Him into your life to be your Lord and Savior. If you've done that or if you'd like to meet, lead, for me to lead you in that this morning, you come as God so leads. Any other decisions on your heart, this altar's open, I'm up here, you come as God leads. Just as